made history. 86 points was their highest tally in a single season and after a flourish in the last two games they secured a third place finish. And whilst missing out on automatic promotion was disappointing, they still had a chance to do it in the best possible way, the playoffs and a trip to Wembley. But to get there they had to beat a strong Peterborough team over two legs who had finished in seventh place. Those two games would prove to live long in the memory for Orient fans for so many reasons. In this episode we relive them. From the people who were there, this is E10 Mess, with From Brunton Park to Wembley Way, the story of the 2013-14 season. Part 3. This group never gives up. between 2006 and 2014. I probably thought, I, I thought for Peterborough, it was Peterborough, Rotherham and Preston, the other teams. We were better than Preston. Um, we were easier on the eye than Rotherham and I thought we were about sim- similar standard to Peterborough. You know, any of those teams up against each other was pretty much a toss of a coin. Dean Cox, left midfield. I wanted Peterborough because I thought with the, the games that we had, I thought... Um, Going to their place, a draw would be a fantastic result because I always felt with the crowd behind us at, at Brisbane Road that we'd, we'd win we'd win at home. Um, and that, that's exactly how we, we set out, really. Um, you know, leading up to the playoffs, we were we were working on team shape and we had several meetings of, of, of soaking up pressure and, and using Mo and, and Liz on, on counter-attacks for their pace. Um, not over... Uh, being over elaborate and expansive as we had been uh, during the season, um, you know, Russ was pulling in the reins on me, telling me to, you know, keep your shape. You know, I know you want to go and win us the game. He said, but there's, it's two games. He said, if we can get a draw, he said, I'll be over the moon. As Orient fans filled up the away end at London Road, memories of that dominant performance in November, when Orient put their stamp on the league and we first started to really believe, came flooding back. We all knew it wouldn't be that easy this time around. And it wasn't. British Summer Longer, who had scored 23 league goals during the season, took only 16 minutes to tuck away the first goal, albeit one that was marginally offside, but still stood. But as we'd seen all season, Orient's resolve saw them slowly gain the upper hand, and when the Peterborough keeper parried Mooney's shot into the path of Moses Odebejo, who just about managed to roll the ball into the net, we all knew we had one foot in the final. At the final whistle, the fans chanted, and Russell Slade pulled every player into a circle on the pitch. When he got us in, in, in a circle, uh, when, it, when we were drawing 1-1, he said, that's it, boys, we're through. 
he said, play like we've been playing at home. He said, we will beat these at home. Um, and we believed him and, uh, and we were confident um, that, that we could do that. Aidan Martin, kick man. As soon as Mo, Mo got the goal back in the first leg, he stayed at 1-1, I thought that was it. That was game over second. Because we had such a confidence about ourselves. We just, I said, we just got to get beat, but, but the second leg, I just felt we win. We headed into Brisbane Road on the 13th of May 2014, knowing that by the time we'd left, we'd have experienced either one of the best nights of our lives or one of the worst. You could cut the tension with a knife. Despite the manager's confidence, the fans had supported Orient long enough to know that this wouldn't be straightforward. A sellout crowd held their breath and then let out a giant roar as the game kicked off. I'm a Romain Vincelo, I'm a midfielder. Uh, yeah, I remember it was a nervy type game. It was a bit like a boxing match to start with, you know. They have it, we have it, feel each other out. Who's, who's going to who's gonna go that little bit more expansive and leave a few gaps? As the players headed down the tunnel at half-time, neither team had created too many chances. It was all square and finely poised. One mistake or one moment of brilliance could change everything. And that moment almost came just after the break, as Peterborough broke down Orient's left and a shot flew in under Jamie Jones's hand and onto the post. They say football's a game of inches and within minutes the ball went down the other end into the feet of Kevin Nisby on the edge of the Peterborough penalty box. Rarely has there been a better Orient striker who could hold the ball up like Lisby, and he drew a stupid foul in a dangerous position. Dean Cox, Orient stalwart who embodied every bit of fight that encapsulated that season, placed the ball down and stood facing the north stand. As the ref moved the wall back a yard, Cox pulled up his socks and stared at the ball. I had so much time to think about it. If you remember, the ref was went into the wall and he's come back, he's gone back to the wall. And I've changed my mind two or three times. I'm thinking, right, I want to bend this. Then I'm thinking, I'm too close. So I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to spank this as hard as I can. Hard and low. And if they block it, they block it. Hopefully, I'll just find that gap and it just goes through. And uh, I remember just a split second before he blew his whistle, I thought, right, I'm just going to hit this as hard as I can. They blew the whistle. I remember hitting it as hard as I can. A game of inches. The ball smashed into the Peterborough wall and could have bounced anywhere. It hit another Peterborough player, into the ground and back up again towards Cox who had barely moved. En masse, the Peterborough players rushed out towards him. And I just remember having to sort of shift my body weight to the right. Boschwick was coming out to me. We wheeled the ball to come down quicker as Cox got into position to strike it mid-air. And Brisbane Road held its breath. And I've just swung my right boot <laughs> The noise. ball flew past everyone and nestled into the bottom corner. Brisbane Road erupted like I'd never heard it before. The place shook as Cox wheeled away towards the corner flag, his teammates trying to catch him as they punched the air. I don't think I've heard Brisbane Road um, erupt as, as it did um, when I ran to celebrate. I lost all feelings in my legs really. I remember just running and thinking, if I keep running, I'm just going to run into the fans here. <laughs> so I've got to stop somewhere. So I just ended up sliding on me on the floor. And then I just remember all the lads jumping on me. And oh, it was, I've never heard a stadium. It just, it felt like it was just, you know, obviously I think there was only 6,500, 7,000 there, but it felt like 25,000. It was the best feeling after a goal I've, I've ever had. My name is Chris Sagnall, I'm a forward. The atmosphere was unbelievable to answer. And then when um, 
Cox, he scored. It was, the roof went off the stadium. Monday, Victor, and uh, thanks to Johnny Davis. I'm also known as Dulcet Dave via my Twitter handle. Well, um, the strike was a special one. So, too, was the celebration. The bit that I remember calling out in commentary was the way in which um, Dean Cox was swamped initially by his teammates and then by supporters. My fear was that he would be injured. And I'm not so sure that he wasn't, to be honest. To be fair, yeah, I couldn't breathe. I hurt my groin, you know. Um, and that's why I ended up coming off. But funny enough, I uh, someone put all their weight on my right knee. It just felt like a sharp pain. I thought, oh, no, I'll tell you what, surely not. <laughs> and I sort of tried to run it off. And I remember going to the touchline and rushed out and that cop said, you're right. I said, I don't know, you know. That's a typical rush. Get on with it. <laughs> Excuse my language. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, after 10 minutes, I, I looked at him. I said, Russ, I'm going to have to come off. So I'm not sure. He said, I'll get yourself off. So he only took me off. Um, so yeah. But luckily, I was okay. <laughs> Scott Cuthbert, defender. can always remember just kind of feeling in control. Never really feeling too threatened. And obviously, Coxie scoring the goal. Um, we knew that we could, we could see it in it. The goal set would orient down. And the confidence we had been used to all year started to return. Sean Back came on and promptly missed a one-on-one that would have all but finished the game. But it was only a one-goal lead. And once Dean Cox's hamstring had got the better of him, we were starting to get deeper and deeper. Slade brought on experienced striker Chris Dagnall to replace Cox. But he wasn't feeling 100% himself. Just before that game, a couple of days before, I got an injury in training in my knee. So to be able to bend a bench, I had about, I had about four or five injections in, into my knee to kill the pain. So I was lucky to even make it onto the bench. Getting that goal, the Peterborough had to come out then. They had to come out to us and, and show a bit more. With just five minutes to play, Peterborough had to commit more and more men. The Orient fans' anxiety could be felt every time they moved into Orient's half. We were so close. Eleven men behind the ball, solid and unmoving. And when one of Peterborough's attacks got broken up, Sean Bat decided that he wanted to get up the other end of the pitch, and fast. From his own penalty area, his long gangly legs opened up. He picked up the ball and carried it past players, who looked like they were stuck in mud. But he was quickly running out of pitch, and as he got to the byline, he looked into the middle of the box. No one was going to catch uh, Sean Bat running down that right wing. Um, you know, they left that gap and, you know, boy did he exploit it. I remember Sean Bat making an unbelievable run down the wing and he's cut the back and Back cut the ball back to Dagnall, who looked like a model of composure as he controlled it, and looked at the goal. I couldn't shoot with the inside of me full, so I couldn't take a first time, so maybe that was a blessing any injury, because it forced me to take a touch and, you know, take your time and decompose, and, you know, manage to stick it in the bottom corner and, you know, celebrate like a madman. When that went in, you know, we knew we were there. Whatever will be, will be. We're going to Wembley, echoed around the stands. I got up from my seat and sprinted down towards the front of the west stand along with hundreds of others. Pit side, Russell Slade just stood there, on the brink. And then out of nothing, Connor Washington swiped at a ball and beat Jones who had misread the shot to bring Peter back within one goal. Surely not. I couldn't face the thought of having to walk up to my seat again and watch extra time through my fingers, knowing that we'd come so close. With 30 seconds to play, Peterborough got a corner and threw everyone up. I watched that ball come over and defender Craig Alcock rise, unmarked. In that split second, my heart sank as I waited for the net to ripple. You know, when we went 2-0 up, it was game over. Then you look, then you go back and watch the game again, you notice, I think it was Craig Alcock in the last minute who missed a real sitter. Somehow he put it over. He held his head in his hands in agony. 
and as Jones struck the resulting goal kick into the East London night, the referee blew the final whistle. Before I knew it, I could see the Brisbane Road grass under my feet and the players getting closer. Johnny Davis, uh, media and communications manager. I remember the whistle went and then everyone ran on the pitch. Um, and I was in the doorway and, and Russell, Russell came running towards me and I thought he was going to give me a hug, but then he just pushed me out of the way to run back down the tunnel before everyone got mobbed. Wasn't it wonderful at the end, you know, that, that uh, pitch invasion? And it, it was a celebration, not about just getting to Wembley, but I think it was a celebration that this is late noise. I remember being lifted uh, uh, up and uh, had uh, the French flag. And, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, you're, you're half, half there. It's like um, you're, you're like in a kind of a dream. Uh, everything, yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're a bit of a spectator of it, all the mess around you, all the all the happy faces um, surrounding you. So it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, something you can see like uh, in a slow motion. I just remember the atmosphere. That was the best atmosphere I'd, I'd experienced at, at Brisbane Road. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. And obviously the celebrations and all that that happened after was, it was unique. You know, that never happened before in my career and still hasn't happened to this. Uh, to this date so yeah that was certainly pretty special my first thought was get the lads up on the balcony you know so we were up on the balcony and everyone's jumping around I thought no it's not about this now let's I ran down the stairs I went into the dressing rooms and they're jumping around I said never mind that let's get you all upstairs so we went out on the balcony and they stood on the balcony and I think I was stood near Steve Dawson and we were looking at it thinking is this balcony strong enough to hold the weight of all these people because it's only built for 100 people and there's like 130 140 people jumping up and down on it but it didn't really matter we looked up from that pitch in admiration. Our heroes had made it to Wembley and were taking us with them. I'd never felt anything like it. Standing up there and looking down, um, seeing that everyone's singing the Wembley songs and everything else, that was one of the most, yeah, it really did give you goosebumps. And um, that was a great, great night. The, um, I remember we going in celebrating. We went up to the, the gallery, it's called, and we, we celebrated. And we, we obviously saw the chairman and all that and shook hands with all them. Yeah, the lads up there on the balcony, sort of scenes of you know, older fans will remember how that happened um, sort of in 88, 89 um, on, the, on the old East Stand, um, above the old East Stand tunnel director's box over there. And it was it was just nice to see um, everybody, you know, coming together in, in such a great, great occasion. So, yeah, we all went into London uh, as a team. Everyone was there. Um, had a few drinks, celebrated, and it was, it, was a, it was a really good day, really good night. I just remember being, I think we went up into, in, into the stand and, you know, and all the fans were on the pitch and we were there for a while celebrating, you know, and we went out with the lads after into London. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great great experience and a great time for us. Kevin Dearden, goalkeeper coach and chief scout, it was just a fantastic night at, at Brisbane Road. And afterwards, the, the you know, the celebrations afterwards were, were like, certainly live long in the memory for me with the lads and then, uh, with the staff afterwards, once all the lads have gone, it, it, it was fantastic. There's a room in the uh, in the near the dressing rooms called the bunker. It's been remodelled now, but at the time it was a, a small room, maybe like two meters by four meters, ten by seven, I suppose, something like that. Two meters by four or five meters, but there must have been about thirty people in there at one point. I think we got about twenty people in there. There was about thirty, thirty-five people in there, and the ceiling got smashed up, and it, you know it was great. Everyone was jumping around. Um, but it very quickly became a, a, 
a case of saying, right, well, we haven't actually done anything yet. We've still got we've still got one more hurdle to climb. That, that was really good night. Really good night. I've still got um, still got all the photos and and videos and stuff like that from the mm-hmm. celebrations, and you know, we still sometimes send them round to to the staff and that when we uh, stumble across them. The kit man and and the secretary and and, and Matt Porter and and Lindsay, everybody was in that, was in there, you know, because we were such a close-knit group of, of football staff and, and and football club staff. And as I say, tiny little room, music blaring, drink everywhere, uh, a fantastic evening. And Matt Porter came down and he was sending people to go and get more beers and everything. Sometimes if you have a bad day, uh, you look back and flick through those videos and shit you up. So that was... That was a special one. This was uh, one of those very, very special seasons, and they don't come around that often, and that's why there was that um, uh, burst of uh, just delight, sheer joy uh, on the pitch at Brisbane Road. It was fantastic. The game at home was one of the best nights I've been involved in in football. The atmosphere down here in the playoff semi-final second leg really carried the lads and, and, and Peter didn't have didn't have enough answers for us that night. It was just it was just such a, a special occasion and a late night occasion. I think it belonged to the family. If you were looking in from outside you, you, you wouldn't have understood it. Um, you wouldn't have understood exactly what it meant to everybody that, that was there. It, it was it was so, so special, it, um, fantastic, and the fact that it happened at Brisbane Road. It's all about fine margins, isn't it? And it went from being a 50-50 tie to being a 55-45 tie, and that was enough to get us over the line um, and get us to Wembley. Yeah, it was just a, a fantastic evening for, for everyone. You know, the, 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 the staff, the manager, the players, uh, jubilation and, 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 you know, the chance to go to Wembley and, and, and hopefully, you know, we were obviously looking to to get promoted to, to the championship. On the last episode of From Brunton Park to Wembley Way, the story of the 2013-14 season, the final chapter, Wembley. From Brunton Park to Wembley Way, the story of the 2013-14 season was produced, written and edited by me, Adam Sampson. All original songs are also composed, performed and recorded by Adam Sampson.